My skin is black. What you looking at? My skin is black. I feel so good to be black right now. Welcome to episode 144 of the Black and Fashion Podcast. Thank you guys for joining in with us today. As you guys know, make sure you send in your black notes. We want to hear from you if you need advice or tips or just want to share your story um, about what it's like being black in fashion and, um, of course, support our I Am Black in Fashion campaign. So, of course, um, we don't start any podcasts without a little icebreaker. I'm actually here with Lanisha Dorch. I said that right, right? Yes, you okay. did. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's pronounce your brand name for me. So the name of my brand is Heirloom Couture. Heirloom Couture. Okay, yes. so I have Clinician Mia. We're going to do a little bit of an icebreaker, and then we're going to open it up, and we're just going to learn a little bit about her background, you know, when that fashion bug hit her, and learn a little bit about her story. So, wide leg or skinny leg? Wide leg or skinny leg? Wide leg, wide leg. Studs or hoops? Oh, studs, studs. Under boob or side boob? Neither. <laughs> Come on, classy. <laughs> Look, she said no, neither. Neither. <laughs> um, stiletto or coffin? Ooh. Can I have both? No. Nope, like, I do a little mix. Stiletto or coffin? Pick one. I, okay, <laughs> I will go with stiletto. Stiletto. Okay. And mule or wedge? Mule. Mule. I thought our nails looked the same. Very close. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Our nails are, like, really almost close. Like, I just, oh, just is short. <laughs> Like, okay. you gotta keep them short. Yeah, oh yeah, especially with the song. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right, so let us learn a little bit about your background, where you're from, when that fashion bug hit you, and how you got into fashion to begin with. Okay, so um, I'm from Dallas, Texas, born and raised, and actually this week um, is the first week I am a full New Yorker. Yes. Um, lights on, electricity, all you know, yes. all that great stuff. Welcome it's all to working. New York. So um, I can't. The fashion bug kind of hit me, I would say, in college. But I really started sewing and doing stuff when I was younger. My dad worked for the city of Dallas, and they would get, he would get, like, these old scraps of shirts and T-shirts and stuff like that. And my grandma bought me a sewing machine because she used to sew. She made all my clothes when I was a little kid. So nice. Sundays, I had, I had the flyest little girl dresses on, you know, little girly poofy dresses. No mm. one had my dress on because my grandma made it. <laughs> Custom made. Custom made all day, yes. Mm. So she, I kind of picked up that fashion, I guess, in, like the sewing part from her. Okay. But the, like the actually getting to like design and making it make sense, like making it, how can I say that? Um, making it just my own creativity and like, Adding that to the sewing part, I guess you could say, I got that from my mother. Okay. My dad helped by, he would give me materials. He would give me his old t-shirts. They had whole, like, he had holes in it and stuff. He'd be like, you know, go make something cute. You know, go in the room. Mm -hmm. Go, you know, cut this shirt up. Do something with it. And I would always come back like, look, daddy, I made a skirt out of your, <laughs> out of your old work shirt. Like, oh, I made this. I made that. I'm, one time I made some flip-flops. Okay. Out of some, you know, cloth. Of course, it wasn't going to hold. You're, I'm a kid. I don't right. know any better. But I felt proud of those moments. Yeah, so that's how I got started. But also, what when the fashion book really hit was when I was in college. Um, when I went to UTA, the University of Texas in Arlington, uh, a lot of people were, like, doing fashion shows. And everybody's like, you should get into modeling. So, of course, I'm sure I'm only 5'5". Five five, but I still want to get into it some kind of way. So mm -hmm. I started off modeling. And then I got more interested in what was going on behind the scenes. 
Okay. And so. So they had like, oh, they was doing the fashion shows at your at your college, and they wanted you to model. Girl, that exact same thing happened to me. <laughs> I, yeah, it was a modeling really... organization. I wanted to make clothes for them, but they told me that you had to be in the organization to even make the clothes. So I had to model, model. the first fashion show, and then the second one, they let me make clothes. Oh my god! Literally gosh. the same thing. And my granny told me so too. <laughs> I knew we had a lot in common. I knew there was something <laughs> there. There was a spark. So, yeah. Um, and like I said, go do it in college. Um, first started off modeling. And then after that, it kind of just became something like me into designing. And people were like, hey, I have a shirt. Can you fix my shirt? Like, mm-hmm. guys will ask me to fix some shirts. Then you turn something. into the alteration seamstress for everybody. Once did somebody everybody. know you how to sew, they like, can you do this for me? Can you do this for me? I'm like, y'all got to stop. <laughs> Y'all gotta stop. In college, they always would come by me trying to get me to uh, do stuff. I'm just like, I should take my sewing machine home. Because back right. to, I take it home, take it out the dorms, because now everybody on this floor and in this whole dormitory think that I can just do anything for them. No, get on. And then you know college kids ain't got no money. But we y'all want me to do some stuff for free. We broke. <laughs> Too crazy. Don't bring me five pair of pants and expect me to do it for $5. <laughs> it does not work like that. It, it didn't then, it's not now. <laughs> so, Can you describe, like, the fashion in, like, Texas, like, growing up there? Because I know it's different. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like fashion is different from city to city to city. But um, I feel like there's a different, I feel like there's very much so occasion-driven clothing in southern states. Like, there's a way more, um, like, events and galas and stuff like that. Whereas, like, in the north, we get custom stuff but it's usually like maybe like for a birthday yeah you know what i mean so it's like is there a difference in the fashion like well even from you just seeing you only been here a little bit but like from dallas to new york well i will say y'all have more like i think what makes it new new unique in um new york for you guys is y'all layer texas is always hot right right so we I'm from this. chicago girl we really layer <laughs> we layer it's cold my right. dad is from chicago okay, so yeah. i already know what you cold mean. as hell <laughs> So it's just like we, our options is like more like linen and we, um, it's really bright, hot, sunny. You're always going to see a lot of people wearing a lot of like whites and black. That's why I always have those black and white events and stuff yeah, like sure. that. And so like you guys, like I said, y'all layer, y'all can do more creativity with y'all outfits. Four seasons. But Texas, you got really, we got like eight months of straight heat. So yeah. we 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 weren't you know, short, and I rather and I was I mean I spent a lot of time in Dallas. I have a lot of family in Dallas too. Really, yeah, I do. I have a lot of Dallas. Actually, I have a lot of family in McKinney. Really, McKinney and Frisco. Yeah, I have a lot of family in McKinney and Frisco. And then I have like three of my best friends moved down here. Like around the time I moved here, and I've been here almost. 10 a lot of years. people from New York are moving to Texas. And no, I'm not from New York though. A lot of people from Chicago. All my friends are from Chicago. Oh, and they live in Dallas. They do. Some up. Actually, no. All the ones from New York I know mm-hmm. moved to Houston. All the people from Chicago I know moved to Dallas. Interesting combination, though, how they chose yeah. it. Yeah, I'm like, all my New York friends, yeah, Houston. And then the other one, yeah, they all live in Dallas. And that checks out. That, yeah. that checks out. Yeah. Because <laughs> New York is, I was saying, I was saying, I guess Houston is a little bit more, uh, like, city, like how New York is. And then, okay, and then Chicago. It's a Dallas. lot of more of okay. us. You know, so a lot of people mostly gravitate towards that way. And as I feel like there's a little bit, their wealth is different in Houston. Houston. Yeah. Gotcha. Like we got people in t- uh, Dallas that has, you know, money. Oh, but too. it's like, it's, yeah, Houston it's new money. Yes. That's okay. it. There we go. Okay. Dallas is very old money and they okay. remind you too. So uh-huh. like you, you just got it. You mm-hmm. chill out. Okay. <laughs> Look, you just got into the club. Right. <laughs> know your place. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. So. So I have a segment, it's called, it's a success or it's a disaster. 
So I want you to tell me about a time within your fashion business where you um, something went bad, like oh. really, really bad. But it was a learning experience, and it made you maybe be a better businesswoman. Maybe it made you switch up an operation that you do. Can you like share a story? Oh yeah, I was, it's funny you said that because I instantly knew what story to tell. <laughs> All right, so I was. Um, this was back in like 2014. I was just branching off by myself. At first, I was part of another group called um, Style Junkies. It was me and another girl. Style Junkies? Style Junkies, yes. So I had just graduated not too long ago. Um, And me and this girl, we split. We decided to go separate ways because we had, you know, creative differences. Okay. Some of our clients went with her. Some of the clients went with me. One of the clients that went with me, she brought me this dress. It was a brand new Calvin Klein dress. She had still had the tags on it, everything. She's like, you know, um, I just want this to come in. I want the dress to be, you know, straight in. I want it to be fit me tighter, everything. So I sized her, but what at the time I didn't have the skills that I have now. I didn't have, I didn't go to class. I was just sewing just like the little bitty stuff. Like I could do small things, so yeah. small changes. You didn't go to school for fashion? No, I did not. I went for? to school for broadcast communications. I wanted oh, to be a news reporter. Okay. I wanted to tell hard-hitting stories. Gosh, but you're self-taught. Yeah. Okay, girl. Okay, yes, right. yep, yep, yeah. self-taught. <laughs> so um, she asked me to take the dress. I'll take in the dress. But the inside, it has the, the uh, what is it, two layers. Um, the lining. The lining. Uh-huh. So it had the lining in it. I didn't think to take, you had to alter the lining and then the outside as well. Yeah. Well, I tried to do that without doing that. And I completely ruined this girl's dress. Uh-huh. And I'll never forget the face she made. She handed me the money, but she didn't like just like, here's your money. She kind of like, here. And I felt bad. I like I felt awful. And I just never forget because my mom told me before I even started doing that. She's uh-huh. like, "Hey, baby, I've I've been there before. You're not going to be able to. You're going to have to do two separate fittings to get that to fit her body correctly." Right. And I'm just like, "No, mommy, I got it. Like I know everything. Like you know, mm-hmm. you young, dumb, all that. I think we know everything. Been and there, I thought I that. knew everything, yeah. and I didn't know nothing. Mm-hmm. And it came back to bite me because, of course, I lost the client. Mm-hmm. Of course, she went back and she told her friends. Of course, they they went back and told their friends. And so it comes back to me and they're like, you know, you're a horrible designer, right? And I'll never forget hearing someone say that. And they also was just like, yeah, other other people who are going to do shows, they're going to remember what that girl said because they trust her, her her fashion and her instinct. Okay. And so this so, girl was like a pop, like popular girl? She was popular at, the, at my school, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So. Okay. It, it bit. It came back. It bit me. It definitely did. It came back and bit me. But so I what did you learn from that experience, though? What you learn from it? I need to go to class. Okay. <laughs> I need to. I need to be a student and stop trying to be a teacher. I like that. Yeah, I wasn't grown yet. I like that. <laughs> be a student in a business. Yes. yes, I like that. So tell me about your design aesthetic, like, and who you are as a designer. Mm. We'll tell everybody. <laughs> well, I love to do resort wear. Okay. Um, but I feel like. In this next season of my life, I feel like I'm leaning towards a different aesthetic, a different, I want to go more couture. Um, I just did a show not too long ago where I wanted to do more like 3D looks. So a lot of the stuff that I had, like, for example, one of my dresses had butterflies. And I always said like, oh, the orange, yeah. (laughs) 
and everybody's like, did you, how did you make that? And so I was like, oh yeah, I know. I just added this material and I added these type of butterflies and it took some time. I had to sew it on there and they're like, this, that's creative. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like I'm leaning more towards the couture, but I've always done resort wear. I would always take trips to Mexico. Me and my cousin would take a trip to Mexico twice a year. Because uh -huh. Mexico's only like two hours, right, two and a half close. hours. It's Mad super close. close. Yeah. Look, where? Cancun or Cabo? Both. Okay. Yeah. We do a little mixture of both, know. but I would more Cancun because, of course, we young. There's more stuff to do in Cancun. Yeah. yeah. We always do the resorts. We're just more like, let's relax. Mm -hmm. Let's just know, know our food is going to be here. We don't have to do too much. Yeah. I'm like, a resort girl, for yeah. sure. For sure. I'm a resort girl. I just know it. The liquor's right here and the food right here. Yeah. That's all, <laughs> like, that's going to make me happy. That's all it takes. And, and maybe a, a massage or something. So. Yeah. So, with using, like, Cause I feel like you can combine those, like couture and like resort. Cause like I feel like that's kind of like you know well. You think so? Cause she's very much a resort. Like she is a resort-driven brand. But what she does is that she uses couture detail techniques to make it be like even more. So like a lot of like that beading, that pleating, that print use, the mm -hmm. way she mixes um her prints and stuff like that with like fabric manipulation, all that is considered like couture sewing techniques. There's a really? book called Couture Sewing Techniques. Okay, I'm gonna um, have to get that. So the link in my bio, I have a whole Amazon. I'm like, still learning. Yeah. To this day, I'm still Amazon. learning. But there's a way where you can still do that because you got to think about like when people are on vacation, the day is for the swim. But the nighttime, they're usually going out and they're wearing their most elaborate things. So why mm -hmm. not? But like she's, I would feel like, did you see her last runway collection? I did not. It was very, it was giving resort. I'm missing out, ain't I? Let's give a resort couture. She just opened up a store here too. But definitely, you can combine those elements too and have a whole like, little beast or whatever or do them both and then you can keep them separate but then market them together like daytime resort wear and then right. nighttime oh, and just you know and all what? you gotta do is do couture details mm -hmm. that's really all you have to do you can still use like a lot of your same like resort wear fabrics and stuff especially if it's gonna be like resort couture mm -hmm. you know and then that's a whole nother lane in like a niche market Ooh, girl you just said a mouthful <laughs> right there <laughs> That's I, why my, that's uh, that's why I have a coaching program. <laughs> that's why though, because I make you. I'm gonna make you think. You uh, know, like all different things. Like, cause like sometimes we don't think, especially when you're learning. And yeah. You're still learning and you're self-taught. You don't know what's possible. You don't know the the. You just don't know what you just did. Like you can go. I feel like the you just unlock something. And then you move in here. You have even broadened your horizons more because mm -hmm. the resources and all the things that you can do here when it comes to like even like. Girl, you know you can make your own sequence if you wanted to, because like, like you like the you can pick the pellets yourself and choose the pattern and your size. Like that's how deep it gets here, and it's right over here in the city. Like you can get your stuff professionally pleated. Let's say you wanted to make a pair of pants, but then you wanted to pleat everything. You could just get the fabric pleated and then just cut it out. The funny thing is, my boyfriend kept telling me that, and I'm like, "You're so, you're crazy. Yeah. No one's doing that. Yeah. You gotta There's go." Four companies in the city that does pleating. It can do it same day. Some of them take a couple of days. Literally, you can take any fabric. It doesn't matter what fabric. Leather, it doesn't matter. You can take it to be professionally pleated. And then there's like 27 different types of pleats you can do. Cause there's you know, crystal pleats. There's knife pleats. There's box pleats. There's a lot of different things that you can do. And then there's even fabric manipulation. And it comes with your package too. To show you how, well, you're not doing it, but show you places where you mm -hmm. can combine couture techniques like flocking and pleating together. So much stuff you can do, girl. Possibilities are endless. So you have just opened up a whole door of everything that you can do. Just know I'm just ready to soak in all this. <laughs> I feel a manifestation coming. 
You go, girl. <laughs> literally, that's why I feel growth coming. Yeah, absolutely. I've been growth. The funny thing is, I've been doing this all day today. <laughs> The podcast? No, Wednesday. So Wednesdays, I meet with most of my clients. So okay. clients is Wednesdays. I literally, and I have coaching sessions all day. So I didn't, this, today I didn't done a ready work to collection, a skirt collection. Like you tell, like, and these are the type of sessions that we have. Like, yeah. We have conversations about your goals and what you want. And then we create a strategic plan to get there. But they don't know because they're just like, they're learning. Yeah. And even me, I'm like, I'm learning. Every, but every time I learn something, I'm like, oh, we can do this. And we can do that. And guess what? We can do this and then we can do that too. So... <laughs> It's oh a my lot. gosh! Oh. You about to be amazed. Like when you, when you, by the time you come to like my studio and stuff like that, and we do like a garment run and stuff like that, you're gonna be like, oh, no, I'm oh, looking forward shit. to. It. Like, I, I, I was looking at everything. I was like, okay, look, this is all the stuff I'm gonna learn. Mm-hmm. And I was showing my boyfriend, like, look, baby, look at all the stuff I'm about to learn. I was like, I'm about to kill it. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what you're about to do. You're about to kill it. So, do you have like favorite designers? Like, is there anyone that you like? You really like look up to, or you like their aesthetics or anything? Ooh, I'm more like. I flow, so it changes. Okay. Like, literally, it changed 24 hours ago <laughs> when I saw the Louis Vuitton in the dark, you know, the, uh, Pharrell. Pharrell. Yes. So, let's talk about that. Can talk, we? Can we? Okay. So, first off, listen. Okay. So, I posted it on a, on the podcast page this morning. Yes. Like, all the different, you know, clips. And when I tell you some people was feeling some type of way, I literally was debating with people. On here, and I don't even be debating like I debate sometimes. It's sometimes I'm like, y'all ain't about to come with me today. So tell me what you think about this. So I posted it, and mm-hmm. somebody wrote, and we can. I want to dissect this. Feeling like some of those jackets were ripped off by Pelly Pelly when they could have simply have had a collab. So, <laughs> your face. I literally was like, what? And don't don't be writing my post because I respond. Well, I got time today too. So I was like, "What did I say? What was the first thing I said? I said I asked for her. I said that's an interesting observation. Can you elaborate on this? What particular elements of this design gives Pelly Pelly? Because like you yeah. gonna say, it, give me some facts. She says specifically the lettering style, the font, the color contrasting, and their signature metal hardware. It would have been major for the culture if he offered up a collab with the brand instead of taking it from the culture and putting LB on it. So so I responded. I said, I see your point of view. However, in the height of urban fashion brands, the 90s and the 2000s, mm-hmm. hardware, contrast, and metal was a trend to all those brands like Pelly, Pe- like Pepe, Jabot, Fubu, Anichi, Averex. It was not exclusive to Pelly Pelly. Pelly Pelly was without doubt a culture staple but they were not the first to use these design elements consistently that was a very classy read right like class what? was in session that like, was very classy I'm like, wait, I, and no. i agree with you on no because it's just like don't find a problem in something yeah and that's what i feel like it was and i just feel like they put pharrell in that position to create diversity and inclusion and to move forward with hip-hop within the culture because why Hip hop pushes those brands visibility. Absolutely. Pushes those brands visibility. So to me, I'm like, he understood the assignment. That's how I feel. Like he <laughs> understood the assignment. So she said, I think where it stemmed from should have been acknowledged, but way too often the sources of inspiration get outshadowed by big names. I said it definitely extends from the culture, but I think that the the whole point of them hiring for real as the creative director was to put diversity and inclusion into fashion houses because hip hop culture is what have kept these brands alive. He understood the assignment. Simon, yeah. Like he did. Then somebody else wrote. What did it say? It said, uh, it's giving Dapper Dan. 
Oh no, it's actually it's oh it's giving Gucci, and I'm just like I had to put the phone down because I'm like now y'all just trying it. Gucci, like, okay, okay now tell me about that. Well, I can see how they got there. Like okay. I can see how they got to that street. Mm-hmm. Um, however, they, so I can see how they got to that street. <laughs> <laughs> She's a little couple of blocks off. She said it actually symbolizes Gucci and the gaudiness of overall aesthetic. The tones, patterns, and nature seems unoriginal in my opinion. Louis Vuitton's moving forward, baby. Right. They that's what they're trying to do. Right. And so I gave another nasty read, an easy one though. I said Gucci has changed their aesthetic at least twelve times in the past five years because they go with the trends as well. Gucci aesthetic is not even clear, so how can they mimic a brand that's struggling to even find its identity? It depends on what the hell is going on in the world because Gucci literally changes from place to place. They do. Like, sometimes it's urban, sometimes it's half, and then it just depends on who's. Because I definitely remember them having, like, this very godly, holistic. Girl. I remember seeing a lot of whites at one point. Yes. They and keep changing. Every, every time a house, and I was just I was like, as a whole, every time a house changes creative directors or changes the design team, the aesthetic changes. There's only a few brands I think have been true to say aesthetic throughout these years, and that's our American sportswear brands. Donna Karen has looked the same for years. For Calvin years. Klein, Ralph Lauren, Michael Kors. Like, they have kept Polo, their status. yeah. Balmain has changed over years. You know, Gucci has changed over years. Louis Vuitton, like, all of these brands have changed depending on who was the creative director. Tom Ford used to be the creative director of Gucci. Gucci didn't look nothing like how it looked now when Tom Ford was in charge. It was yeah. sexy. It was luxe. It was silk. It was so different. Yeah. So different. So I'm just like, how can we sit back and, like, really try to... You know, judge. You know, to me, he is at the time. I just it's thought cha- it was just. So it fine. changed, like you said. It changed with the times. Yeah, changed with the hip hop music. Did you like it? Though? I liked it. I did. I thought it was cool. It, to me, it paid homage. It paid homage to hip hop culture in the only way I like. It did. Like the use of the 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 leathers, the placement, like everything was very much so hip hop. It and was. And that was the point of putting the man in office. And then Dapper Dan made a post earlier today and said that he was like, you know, everybody was upset when Gucci had the, um, you know, had the black face and stuff like that. But that's the reason why they came to his shop in Harlem. They apologized and they offered him a, you know, a distribution deal through them. This is the same thing that's happening with Louis Vuitton. They mm-hmm. want more inclusive and diversity from African Americans, which is why we're getting put in those seats. Because they want our coins. They, they want the coins, but they also want in the diversity and inclusion so they don't end up blacklisted. Because, you know, for a while it was, we don't fuck with Gucci. People were buying yeah. their Gucci bags. And then Prada did the same thing. With Man, the wait, wait, wait. We burning Gucci bags? Yes. When Gucci put that black face on shirt, people was burning their Gucci. I haven't worn my Gucci since then, I'm going to be honest. I, everything that I did have that was Gucci, and I had like a bag, I had like a, I had two bags that I bought in college for with a refund check. Back when Gucci, like a, back when a Gucci bag was $900 though. Now a Gucci bag is like three grand. But the same vinyl Gucci bag, I have not worn it since they did that. And that's because I just, how I felt about it. And then the same way with Prada, like I won't shop at Prada, I won't buy any Prada because they want to put the little, um, minstrel show on there so like it's just i i don't mess with it i don't rock with i definitely i like that. their efforts you know and actually trying to put black faces in european fashion houses true i like it. I black like faces it. in european fashion houses which is very very rare so i thought that they were doing a good job at that like have you like with being self-taught have you ever like applied or tried to get like a job in like the fashion industry not really no um just because like i said this is it's like I'm still I'm still learning every day. I'm still learning. Um, only thing I've done is actually do fashion shows. Gotcha. I've never applied. I actually did. I take that back. I did apply to do, but this was more so uh, interior designing. Gotcha. Okay. And so I did get a job doing interior designing, but it wasn't. You know, it's not what I. It wasn't what I'm doing now. Right. Mm-hmm. So 
I would say no. Gotcha. But I do want to go back to one more thing yeah. about that Louis Vuitton show. I was a little bit like, the only thing I would say that, that bothered me was I felt like they put more, and this is just off the of social media. Mm-hmm. As I'm scrolling through social media, I saw more focus on the people who were there than the, the actual clothes. clothes. I saw that. I seen a lot of that. Yeah. The performances. If I see one more picture <laughs> Uh, I think it was LeBron Beyonce. James, oh. LeBron James and his wife, wife, like that scroll, like came across my page five times. Well, no. yeah, but yeah, yeah, the media definitely covered the celebrities. They, co- they I feel like they're covering media, the celebrities more than they're actually covering the shows now. Yeah, they do though because that's what it's about. It's about who's there. Like we care yeah. about the fashions to a certain extent, but they want to know who was in the building and what they were wearing. Which is jacked up, which is why I tell people, and this is just my personal opinion, fashion shows don't make no money. They're stressful. Mm-hmm. And I encourage my That's actually what they, they told me, like, when no. I was doing, like, when I was doing them heavily. I was doing one every week at one girl, point. Yeah, yeah. See, I'm, like, I'm a profit girl. If they don't make profit, what is the point? And I, you know, from my business, a lot of people do that. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, where my sample's going to be done so I can do this fashion show. And I'm like, and what exactly is that fashion show going to do profit-wise? You have to think of innovative and creative ways of putting out products outside of fashion shows fashion shows stress you out and then if you're doing fashion shows with other collaborative people mm-hmm. the show's not about you it's about everybody else and then depending on where you're at in the show let's say you're last the crowd is tired they don't even want to be there no more because now the shit is just way too long it's not supposed to be that long and then you're not picking the models you can't pick the hair and the makeup and everything because they're just supplying you with people too so it's mm-hmm. just like or you do it yourself and then you're coming out of a lot of money to do it it's not a profitable thing to do it really is you know now they got the models where they say the models pass out the tickets and the models get a profit of the tickets have you seen that do y'all do that okay so in texas let me tell you in texas they do these fashion shows where they'll hire like 50 models they're like okay all 50 y'all want a model come on come through but y'all have to sell 10 tickets sell these 10 tickets for 20 dollars and y'all get to keep uh y'all get to keep five and you and we get 15. What? So that's Nine how they get they, yes, <laughs> that's how they get people in the seats. Oh, that's interesting. But like like you said, it's more about who's in those seats. So and now you got people in those seats that's just here to see the models and not the actual designers the and no one buys anything. Exactly. Because a fashion show is not meant for anybody to buy anything. That's why I tell designers to stray away from it. Now, I'm gonna put you up on gonna Tell you a good way to make money. Let me write this down. Okay. Now and I had a client and I used to do this with her. Cause she's smart. She's a smart mm-hmm. lady. So, just have us just get your samples, make your samples or whatever collection you're gonna make or whatever. Rent out a hotel suite. Have the samples there. Others, champagne, you know, nice music, candles. Set a scene for an experience. Mm-hmm. That is where you go then to the stores, high end stores, Saks, Bloomingdale's, Saks. Uh, what's that? Uh, Neiman Marcus. You go tell those salespeople because they work on commission. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm having a private shopping event. Invite your client book. I'll give you five to ten percent of anything that they buy. These people who have been working in Saks and Bloomingdale's and Bergdorf for all these years mm-hmm. got a client book about this thick of people that spend money. Mm-hmm. You invite them to a private shopping event for an experience, and they're able to pre. And that's a this is pre order, so they're not buying on the spot. It's that exclusive, and all they can do is look at the samples and the place they orders. That's a pre-order. 
because they're going to look at the samples. They can try stuff on, da 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 get it I'm just over here thinking, I'm like, wait a minute. I've been to something like that before, and I'm not even putting two and two together. Exactly. And then it also leads you to understand what's the popular items. You can also get feedback. So maybe you think, because they're just samples. You're still in the position before you go to, to production to change something, add something, do something more custom order. Anybody want anything custom, they got to pay the retail on top of whatever they're trying to customize it to. If they want to mm -hmm. add this, that's fine. But at least you know you got a deposit or full payment, depending on who it is. Depending on who it before is. Before you even go into production, and then you go to this, and you but you do this in multiple places. Yeah. We did it in D.C. We did it in Houston. We did it in Atlanta. We did it in Oklahoma. Like, you would go to different cities. New York not necessarily a place for that because it's too much shopping opportunities. You go to places that have smaller shopping opportunities. You don't go to New York. You don't do that here. You do it in Jersey, you do it in Connecticut, you do it at these surrounding places where they don't have that many options. And that's your, that's your show. That's, that's your gym. show. When you can sell some stuff and then you you got your, <laughs> your reader right there, so you swiping, swiping, then you can go to a factory and now you can look at your all your orders that you've mm -hmm. taken. Damn, my jumpsuit in the black and the medium, I sold the most of those. Let me make an extra 10 of stock. And then sell those on my website because that when you know something that's hot, you can tell from your orders yeah. and what people have commented on, what people like, and that's how you build a production plan. You build it based off of the feedback and the data that you got because those show those these little trunk shows that you're doing, mm -hmm. that's market research too. Fashion shows, I'm not spending my money on a fashion show. I'm gonna hop on this plane or hop on this train. I'm gonna go to these different cities, I'm gonna get a popcorn. Look, class is okay. in session right now. Cause, uh, but that's like that. Doing something like that. I did not even... think of that. Like, I didn't think of there's so many moving pieces to it, but it mm -hmm. all makes sense. Exactly, and how much it does. And then if you're going to do a fashion show, do a mob style fashion show in the middle of Times Square somewhere where you ain't got to pay for no doggone venue. You ain't got to pay for no seating, no decoration, no nothing. Y'all can literally just be walking around, and the next thing you know, run away. I've seen somebody do that before here during the Fashion Week shows. They was camped out, but they practiced in Bryant Park before the Fashion Week shows. And then in the middle, because you can have the schedule, schedules online. Yeah. You can see when the shows, when people are going, da da da. They perfectly timed it for when people are coming out of the tents. And then they did a runway show on the damn street. And how much you think that cost them? Just the models. Three ninety nine. Three ninety nine. The clothes and the models. Mm. Makeup and hair, of course. But no venue. No, no, no extra shit. It's really just like, and then people are like, who the hell is this? And then you got somebody out there like scanning, like, here go cars, blah, 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 blah. But it's just like, we just did a fashion show in the middle of Fashion Week, and everybody that's at these shows can see it too. Buyers, PR people, mm. everything, and it's mm. interesting and it's different. They blew social media up, girl. I'm going to have to steal that idea. <laughs> yeah, but there's a lot of interesting <laughs> ways to distribute. My point was that there's a lot of interesting ways to distribute product outside of fashion shows. Yeah. You just got to think a little bit outside the box or whatever. So it's good doing the fashion shows. You get good pictures, you know, mm -hmm. especially when you're first starting out and people get to know you a little bit. But probably, I think that, and that's what I probably do that for a certain amount of time. Before yeah. You're like, all right. Everybody does that in the beginning. Yeah. Everybody. So you wasn't wrong for doing that. Like, that is what you are supposed to do because you're trying to get your name out there. And at some point, you may get, see somebody that actually, like, I thought you were fashion, can you make my dress for something, you know? So you, that is a way. But once you have passed that level, you have to, you know, yeah. keep excelling up, you know? And then it has to be a part of your brand identity. If you could describe your brand in three words, what would it be? Oh, luxury. Mm -hmm. um, heirloom because heirloom is actually period <laughs> um, and I would say um, timeless I want to pass my I want my stuff to be heirloom. like got it luxury heirloom timeless so by using that word luxury mm -hmm. you know that luxury is exclusivity and it is 
handcrafted. Because you know they say it's only one true luxury brand. You know that? They said that? that? It's only one true luxury brand because luxury is exclusivity, first off. So it's very hard. It's sought after. What's your group? What? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to send you guests first. So I'm going to give you what it is. So it's exclusive, mm -hmm. meaning like it's sought after. I don't think I can think of it. It is. Is what? Hermes. That's it. Oh. That's the one. Because Chanel, anybody can get that. Their Chanel store is flustered all over the world. Mm -hmm. Louis Vuitton is flustered everywhere. Gucci is flustered everywhere. You got to get on the wait list for Hermes. It is still handcrafted. You have to be on the wait list. It's still exclusive. And everybody can't get it. That's luxury. So every time somebody throws out that word, I'm just like, make sure. And if you want your brand to be luxury, what's luxury? And I make sure they know. And I'm just like, all right, now you can do it. But you got to remain exclusive. You can't saturate the market. Michael Kors not being luxury a long time ago when he started adding stuff in TJ Maxx and, and in Target and started doing all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. That is not luxury anymore. You have now devalued the brand. Now that's fine because you can make a lot of money that way. If selling them licenses, baby, yeah. you're going to get paid or whatever. But it's not luxury anymore. Mm -hmm. I didn't even think about that. He mm -hmm. did go into TJ Maxx and all those yeah. places. And you, and, but you kind of got to do that. I'm going to be honest. You do have to tap into more than one market to be successful. If not, you have to tap into some other business ventures. Because selling clothes is not enough to sustain. Every designer, that popular designer is in a lot of places. They're mm -hmm. in jewelry. They're in beauty. They're in fragrance. They're in home decor. They are in a lot of places because that is what you need to sustain. Even, have you heard of Sammy B? Sammy B? No, designer. Like, she's a designer here, and she's great, and I love her stuff, but she's really, she's on Project One Way. She recently had to do a distribution deal with Target. Mm -hmm. And yes, she had to cause I do it with Target, you know, the, the quality is going yeah. to go down, the, you got an overseas manufacturer. Yeah. But she get into her bag, though, you know, and she's still doing her, her regular stuff, mm -hmm. but now she got the cheaper version, too. So the person who shops her regular stuff, I'm that person. I'm going to buy it from there. But yeah. the person who couldn't afford her regular stuff now is going to shop at Target. Target. So it still puts money in. So you do. Ain't nothing wrong with that. You got to right. you know. Okay. <laughs> As you say the name, I feel like I, was this Fino something recent? Too. Yeah, Fino Real did it too. Fino Real had one. She has, because Fino Real has her collection and her showroom, but she also has a partnership with Target. She did it too. Because they about to get into their bag. So you get a distribution deal with Target, it's not going to be the same quality anymore or whatever, but it's still, you, you're selling your name for a license. And people do that all the time. Like in, like, Donna, these bags that you see in like TJ Maxx and Marshalls and stuff mm -hmm. like that, they didn't come down from those stores. That whole no, thing, they, they're they, made for those stores. Like, yeah. you know, I make them because I used to work at a company called G3 and we had the handbag license for Calvin Klein, for Carl Lagerfeld, or for Donna Karen. We would make the bag by the PVC and put leather handles on it with a polyester lining. So we made bags for those stores. So they're not, there's that whole compare it price Kind of like a so Valentino I, at Off Saks Fifth. Exactly. It's made for Off Saks Fifth. Mm -hmm. It wasn't made at Valentino and then they, it's they, old and they brought it down. That's not how that works. Yeah. No, they're making products to, to stock these. I'm sorry to use that as an exact example. <laughs> no, the only reason why no, I did because I got one of those bags. I was like, wait a minute. The lining? I started doing the math yep. in my head. The lining? The math ain't math. <laughs> the math is not mathing. mathing. Okay. So the last segment before we cut out is, is some news. Okay. And I just want you to share whether it is a, a prayer, an affirmation, a, a book, anything that continues to just keep you inspired and motivated that you would want to share with another creative. Um, something I would want to share with another creative is making sure you're around other people who are positive. Um, if you're around people who are always negative, it is not, it's, it's going to rub off on you. 
If they don't, it's like if you're having a hard day about your vision, with your goals, what you want to do, what you who you want to be, and they're being negative, you're not gonna, you're not. It's gonna be hard for you to keep keep mm-hmm. that that energy, that same like power and that same you know mobility. So I, I just say stay around people who are positive, because positivity it rubs off. Gotcha. And is there anything that you want to throw out? Any events, collections, anything coming up that you want to advertise? Let people know about. I would just like y'all to um, just follow me on Instagram. It is Heirloom Couture, H-E-I-R-L-U-M-E, Couture. Um, just follow me. Um, say, say hey. Say hi. <laughs> I'm a very friendly person, I promise. Say, say hi. <laughs> Perfect. So, guys, thank you so much for tuning in with us today. It was a pleasure, Tanisha. Thank you for coming. You guys don't know she was one of the winners of our Designer Chance Contest. Uh, we have four, and I, I chose all four of them. <laughs> oh my, I just wanted to help everybody, you know. So that's just kind of like my thing, but y'all already know that. <laughs> Um, but I am glad that I chose you for this opportunity, and I think we're going to be you. able to make some magic together. Yes, okay. yes. I'm excited. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me. As I always say, people, stay black. Peace out. Bye. Bye.